convincing win over the uh, San Francisco 49ers. The Eagles pulled it out 31 to 7. And we are alive for another week where we compete in Glendale, Arizona in two weeks against the Kansas City Chiefs. I cannot believe at the beginning of this season that I would be here at the end of this season saying that we are going to a Super Bowl but here we are. It's just absolutely incredible. Cannot believe that we're doing this. Ali, Andrew, thank you so much for kicking it with us today. Ali, what are your immediate thoughts on the game? How are we feeling today? I feel elated, overjoyed. I think we were all expecting that this was going to be a heavyweight fight that lasted like all 15 rounds, and it was... It was done after the first round, to be honest. And I couldn't have been more happy, right? Like, I am sad for what happened to Brock Purdy and what happened to, to um, what's his name? The backup quarterback. Uh, Josh, Josh, Josh Johnson. Johnson. Jo- yep. Josh Johnson. Yep. See, I forgot him because he was in there for so little, t- such little time. <laughs> um, so happy that it end up, ended up working out the way that it did. Because we won in deciding fashion. There was no question as far as who belongs in the Super Bowl. Guys, it doesn't have to be sexy. And it really was like in not a sexy game at all. In fact, it was pretty damn ugly for most of it. And the fact that nobody in the NFC stands a chance against us. I am so over the moon about this team. I'm proud of the three of us for preaching confidence and then having our team come out yesterday and completely back up everything that the, that we talk about even if we didn't play at our at our absolute best. I mean, we'll go through the numbers. There were no stats that pop off of the screen, but this yep. was a dominant performance. This team deserves so much more respect than what we have gotten even going into this week as a two and a half point favorite was was disrespect. I'm so Happy that we just we only gave up seven points to this this amazing football team and we blew them out of the freaking water. Guys, let's talk about this game. But first, Alex, I'm gonna <laughs> send this back to you because again, yeah, man, you were in the thick of it. You were there. What time did you get there? And just kind of tell me about like, yeah, the, the track of events. Yeah. Hey, quick question. When I sound quiet to you guys, it looks like my bars are a little bit low here. Am I coming in okay though? You sound good to me. Cool. Awesome. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, so the morning was a little bit uh, crazy. So typically we take 295 to get into Packard Ave and that's usually not met with like, uh, you know, a lot of traffic, but we had to drop the baby off cause I took my wife and we had to take 76 in and boy, 76 oh. on any given weekend. You couple that in with an Eagles game. It was absolutely miserable. You could absolutely be on 76 at 2 a.m. on a random night Always. of the week and still Always. sit in traffic. <laughs> Always. And if anyone knows anything about me, my number one pet peeve is traffic. <laughs> I probably mention on every game time experience just to give anyone else who hates traffic as much as I do uh, a, a reason of, um, uh, about it. And then, we, you know, get onto 95, get into the stadium. I would say that we got to the parking lot about 1130. Um, decent crowd. 
Um, you know, people were, were, were going at it, but, but not overly crowded, you know, three, three hours before kickoff was, was about where we, where we wanted to be. So, you know, we're tailgating, we're having a ton of fun. It's, it's rowdy, it's loud, but I got to say there was one moment I've never seen this happen from another fan base before. And, and, and I actually got to give up props. It was, it was pretty cool. So we are in the M lot on the fence line. Packard Ave is going right in front of us. And somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, dude, look at that. And on the other side of the road, I'm not exaggerating, five to 700, maybe even more. Honestly, it's, it sounded like it, it looked at like the line was never ending. Red jerseys, nothing but Niners fans walking almost like in, in army unison led by a guy with a huge 49ers flag and they're walking through our parking lots. I've never, ever, ever, ever seen another fan base do that. So I do got to give them props. It was pretty wild. The thing that was even more wild is there was an audible roar in the air that lasted for a good 15 minutes. So they are walking down Packard, walked through M-Lot, walked all the way up the long way around through N-Lot, and then went across into K-Lot. And I'm telling you, this line seemed never ending. And there was just a... a, a constant audible roar in the background so i, I do got to say <laughs> that was kind of sick it, w- it was kind of sick i don't know how many fights and how many felonies were were broken out as a result of it <laughs> it was it was kind of sick um alex can i give you crap for a second can yeah, i please. um can i make fun of how you talk again because that's one of my favorite things to do can you spell packer for me packard packerav yeah packerav can you say it again for me packard packard av why do you keep putting a D at the end of it? <laughs> I was in Packer, Packer, whatever. So anyway, going into the stadium, it's loud as can be, echoes throughout the club. It's just like E-A-G-L-E-S everywhere. I'm walking up to my seats, and of course, right next to me are two 49ers fans. Boo. So learning a little bit about their story, they have season tickets. They're there in Santa Clara. They're telling me, you know, why they think they're going to win the game and, and everything like that. So um, the game starts and the Eagles go first, score a touchdown, but the offense is pretty quiet. And I asked him, like, how is he? He's like, this is this fares pretty well with what we're used to from the crowd noise. And then the offense came out for the Niners. Then the noise started. These guys' face were like jaw dropped. They're like, oh my God. And they were shocked that we weren't sitting. They're like, what do you mean (laughs) you guys aren't sitting? So Brock Purdy fumbles the ball. Place goes absolutely berserk. And I asked him, I said, how does this compare to any 49ers game? And he said with full confidence, this is the loudest event I've ever been to in my entire life, football aside. This is the loudest place I've ever been in. And it just Shocker. goes to show that Debo was totally wrong with with everything that he said there. I hate um, that California. Any like <laughs> California can never try to act tough when it comes to sports. They are the most just like they're It's so unauthentic, and there's so much less passion that I I don't care what the like whatever is being said leading up to leading up to the, you know the game. You will never, ever experience on the West Coast what you get at, in yeah. Philadelphia. Well, and there's also this video that went around of this girl that says like, oh, yeah, I think the Eagles fans will be nice. I got a turkey cheesesteak because I don't eat red meat. First <laughs> off, no one asked if you ate red meat or not. And that's why you got a turkey. Like, you just like have to make it a point. It's like that California mindset, right? I got no GMO, no soy, no gluten, turkey cheese. It's like dairy free. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Turkey and steak? Is, is that I get down with a little buffalo chicken cheesesteak once in a while. There's a place here in Newtown. Shout out to Francesco's. But and I'll, you know, and I'll have a good. I like myself a good turkey burger. But there is there's a certain line that you don't cross, and that is taking the Philadelphia cheesesteak and and utilizing turkey. If you if you want to, th- that's unexcusable. That's yeah. unexcusable. Yeah. So. Anyway, the, the, the rest of the game um, went incredible. And then obviously, you know, we're blowing them out. We know very, very, very early on into the into the fourth quarter. But let's say basically at halftime, we we knew that it was done for um, crowds starting to get excited. You know, 
rumblings are coming back. No one's leaving. All the 49ers fans are gone by this point. The guys next to us dipped out halfway through the third. And they said, honestly, for our livelihood, like we, we honestly just want to get out of here and like, don't, and don't. Yeah, of course we don't want to deal with you guys in the parking lot, but of course you didn't have an issue when you were 700 deep walking through. Well, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Whatever. Um, so then, you know, the confetti's out, um, very apparent that, um, AJ Brown doesn't know our fight song. Um, and, and it was awesome. Kind of the the ceremony I thought was going to be a little bit more of like, I I, I actually want to ask you guys how it was in the broadcast. It was kind of just like put together, nothing really big. There was a little bit of a crowd, but I'm sure they made it look like the crowd was a lot bigger on the screen. Yeah. I think those Um, ceremonies are corny as hell. Like straight up. I think they're corny. They're just for TV. You have Terry Bradshaw up there who literally can't even speak a sentence anymore. Like the guy can't talk. And they throw him up there. He's just a big old pile of makeup with a smile. And just, I wish Brian Dawkins would have talked more. That's the only thing that I, that's the number one thing. I wish I would have gotten more B-Doc. Just hype, just saying something to hype us up. Yeah. yeah, You know, I'm okay with having it be something small though, because it doesn't really matter. If you don't win the last game of the season, then what was it all for? So I'm okay with it being kind of docile. I mean, it, it is a championship. We did win the National League. Like, we are going to get a banner. I don't like the whole NFC East champ banners that we have in the link. I, I think they're corny and dumb. Like, conference championships and Super Bowls are the only thing that matters. And this is one check. I, I agree with the overall statement, Ali. But it is a big deal. We are the best team in the NFC. Um, and I'm glad you guys feel that way. It was it was a little bit like, eh. I, I thought it was going to be a little bit more emotional. So... I guess I guess we'll see what that looks like in a, in a few weeks, but yeah, I um, mean the emotion piece. I remember when Donovan McNabb finally won the NFC Championship game, and I remember he had like guy had tears going down his face because that was his fourth one after four years straight, and he was like, <laughs> "I'm finally going to the Super Bowl." And then you got a guy like Jalen Hurts who's like, "Yeah, I'm not here for the NFC Championship game. I'm here for the Super yeah. Bowl." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, no, it was great. And then afterwards, crowd was just absolutely raucous. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was rocking, man. I mean, people were just going absolutely nuts, running down the streets. We we honestly just like didn't even like leave. We cracked open a beer and just kind of hung out in the parking lot and then talked and, and threw the football around with some guys afterwards. So um, wonderful, wonderful game. Traffic getting home was absolutely miserable, but it didn't matter. We were in such high spirits listening to oh, the yeah. other game that was going on to see who would be playing in the Super Bowl. Um, pretty, pretty crazy. Any other questions or anything you guys want to want to know from the from the on field experience? Nope. I, I mean, I think you got, I think, yeah, go ahead. So, so one of the things that I was, I was getting text messages, uh, text messages from friends of mine, um, throughout the game who were like, Oh, you guys basically, you know, you got lucky with this game that two of their quarterbacks got injured. Was the sentiment somewhat similar in the stadium by 49ers fans? Or was it kind of like, um, Oh, you know, this is what we've been dealing with all season. Yeah. I- so but the the guys next to me were were very very shaken they were like we don't stand a chance right and even when josh johnson threw for a few first downs you know they they were clapping but they they knew that that their fate was there and then when josh johnson went down they 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 were on twitter they were refreshing and they were like christian mccaffrey's like that's our emergency quarterback and i do want to talk about that in two up two down and talk a little bit about like was that really their game plan when you are on your last leg? So, so we can talk about that here. Dude, there bit, is but- no game plan. There is no game plan for losing your two quarterbacks who are able to throw a pass. There is no game plan for that. They right. had, they had no other option, but to just try to do those triple options to try to just make anything out of anything. Every single play we knew Brock Purdy was not going to throw the ball. There's no game plan. And so, I don't yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so okay, so I don't mean in the in that moment. That's not what so let's let's just get kind of into this. Let's right? do it. Let's do it. So so in in my opinion, the 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 49ers didn't have Brock Purdy. Well, they had him at the helm for what, seven, seven weeks, right? Seven yep. weeks. He won seven straight, eight weeks, right? When he went down, the season the season was basically over. When Josh Johnson came into the game, it was nothing but five-yard curls and really, really, really short crossing routes over the middle. 
Josh Johnson was not incorporated inside that offense whatsoever. This can was we a, talk about, before we get into Josh Johnson, can we just sure. talk about why Brock Purdy got knocked out of the game? Because, <laughs> yes. because they were using a tight end to try to stop somebody who should have been nominated yeah. as a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. Guess what? If you have a tight end yes. blocking Hassan Reddick, who has 16 and a half sacks this year and five forced fumbles and three fumble recoveries, guess what? Your quarterback's going to get hurt. And that is poor coaching by Kyle Shanahan. Yes, thank you. They got completely, completely. outcoached. For everything from, from them not even calling the challenge on that freaking incredible catch by Devontae Smith on the first drive of the or, game. Or lack thereof. Three, but he, he caught it. He or lack thereof. <laughs> but from the television, to be honest, they didn't – at that point, I didn't see a view that showed – really the ball hitting the ground and and it, it hold on it let's go even... let's go back to the coach let's go back to the coach yeah yeah, yeah, so, yeah so i i agree with you 100 angel we're saying the same thing i am saying that if if that is a strategy that if this man goes down right because you're always just as good as your backup quarterback we've seen seasons where we've ended with josh mccown who gave us a fighting chance there at the end we've seen what happens when nick Foles goes in right like We've put ourselves in positions to to game plan for that. I know it's a little bit different because they're already very low on the depth chart. All I'm saying is when your quarterback is down and and you are preparing for what that week could bring, Josh Johnson did not play the San Francisco playbook. They did not prepare adequately for their backup quarterback to play. It was vanilla. It was totally different. It was totally against the sale. So that is poor coaching because you are not – you are not you are banking on that nothing will happen to your star quarterback. So you have to but, think But of every your team is. Every team is. I think right. the Eagles would be the same way. If we saw Minshew in there, I think we would see a vanilla play. So call. you don't think Heine, who goes in and scores a ninety-eight yard drive in a Chiefs game when Mahomes goes down, <laughs> isn't better prepared than Josh Johnson, who's been sitting behind watching Purdy go for seven weeks I don't even and has know no Josh, idea what to do in the offense? I don't even think Josh Johnson was in the league a couple weeks ago. They literally picked right. him up because they're down to their third-string quarterback. Henny is a second-string quarterback who gets to play under the tutelage of Andy Reid, who is a, cuter, a quarterback so if mastermind. Quarterback, if, if, if the starting quarterback that has been playing for you for the last seven weeks, he's quarterback one. Josh yeah, Johnson so you're already, is quarterback two. He's quarterback two. <laughs> They were already kind of hanging on by the skin of their teeth because his role is quarterback one. That's what I'm saying. Is is Brock Purdy's role is quarterback one? There is no. It doesn't matter. He's not third on the depth chart. He's quarterback one. There's a Correct. backup to him, and his backup was absolutely Correct. garbage. But how many? How how much time do you want to spend trying to get your QB four and and emergency QB five prepared for the NFC Championship? You can't do it. You know, Andrew, I I was thinking about this very question yesterday. Um. You know, if you're if you're uh, live on a hill, do you buy flood insurance? No, right? Because it's it's just you're never gonna get flooded until you do, and then you're gonna be like, "Holy crap! I wish I got flood insurance." The 49ers got flooded twice this season. Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, both went down. It's in their culture. It's in their DNA that their quarterbacks aren't very well protected. They get injured. And to not have a backup for Brock Purdy, to me, seems a little like it's miscoached, to be honest. I agree, Alex. I, guess- I, I, think, I, think, I think not preparing for, for, frankly, the inevitable based on what's happened, based on the story of the 49ers this season, is what cost them the game. Do you think that the 49ers look at Brock Purdy, though he's QB1, do you think that you're going to give somebody else reps over a rookie quarterback who is literally trying to win this monstrous game? Like you had, you're, you're, you're yes. kind of all of your eggs are in that basket. And like, sure, it, if if you have a veteran quarterback who can come in and have 15 plays that that he knows how to run, maybe your defense can keep you alive. But we put up 31 points, so I guess even spending all this time as I, I, I you know, I'm bringing in all this aggression about the quarterbacks, but. The reality is, I don't think even if Purdy played the entire game, I don't think it would have mattered. So no, 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 no. Yeah, I I completely agree there, right? Like, let's not take away the fact that if Brock Purdy had stayed in the game, correct, we still scored thirty-one points on the number one defense in the league. They were not going to score thirty-one points on us. I think we can all agree on that. Yes. My question for you guys is, do you think Brock Purdy was scared to come back in the game? Do you think that he? 
could like especially when you you kind of have that adrenaline after you 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 have an injury and you like even Mahomes last week when he injured his ankle he tried to keep playing on it whether that was smart or not but it did look like I mean Purdy did come back in the game it almost seemed like it was his choice to stay out of the game and so that's where I'm just like was he scared did he come into Philly and he was just like nope I'm good the the that defensive front just ate my lunch I'm cool it, it was interesting because he was on the sideline warming up. So he was throwing the ball on the sideline. Um, I think it came out to he te- he tore his UCL. I, I don't I'm not an anatomy expert, so but he, he he was throwing the ball and and I think besides maybe one or two screen passes, he didn't throw the ball at all. He just handed it off every single time, right? So I don't think that was from him being scared. I think it was from a physical limitation because he was back in the game um, to do that. And that was during halftime. And we've all seen what, you know, one of those shots in the, in a, in a hurting place can do. We've all seen the Aaron Rodgers uh, clip, right? So um, no, I, I think drew, I think he, he tore his elbow, however you want to say it. I'm not, like I said, I'm, I'm not a physical therapist, but I think he was physically unable to play in, in my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah t- a torn UCL is it requires Tommy John surgery. I mean, if what you, are they going to do next enough, year? Right? What are they going to do next year? And we're all uh, saying the same thing. We're all celebrating. I think. I think we're all disagreeing on how we got here, but like we can all agree that the 49ers are screwed. Like, what are they going to do next year? I don't think I don't they're know. screwed, honestly. Like, it sh- they showed that they can put a third string quarterback in there, like Brock Purdy. But once we get to not, four, we stop being good, right? I'm just kidding. I'm no, just kidding. I mean, like, to me, to me, the the mistake was, wasn't that Josh Johnson didn't take reps. It, it looked like he wasn't even a part of the game plan. It looked like he didn't even know what the game plan was, right? Like, he was just throwing these basic routes. Was he a two-glover, too? Do he have two gloves on? No, he had one. He had one. Okay. I thought I thought he was Pretty going sure for he did. a little That's why he fumbled Teddy, that ball. Te- Teddy Bridgewater uh, <laughs> lookalike here at the Teddy Two Gloves. Teddy Two Gloves. Just the weirdest thing. Um, do we want to do two up, two down, or we just kind of just want to want to roll with just the uh, the winging it side of things? You know what? Give me the sound drop, baby. Let's Give it do to it. me. Alex and Andrews, two up, two down. All right, guys, that was supposed to be the number one rush defense in the league. And we scored four rushing touchdowns on their butts. That's up number one. Yes. Screw you and your number one rush defense. We just ran all over you. What's astonishing is that if I if I told you that our leading rusher ran for 48 yards, if our leading receiver had 36 yards, and if our MVP quarterback threw for 121 yards, I don't know how many people would think not only would we win the game, but win by almost four possessions, three possessions, 31 to seven. We almost won 38 to seven back-to-back weeks. <laughs> just amazing. So, so that's, that's my number one is, is just uh, four rushing touchdowns. Come on again. It, it wasn't, it wasn't flashy. And like, even, running that same play back to back the the we'll, we'll just keep calling it the double cheek push or whatever but it's almost like the first time they did it was to set them up for the second time and the second time they did it Jalen Hurts ended up 3 4 yards deep into the end zone so nobody can stop it no even though even though they know it's coming my second up is just Hassan Reddick man i just can't yes. say enough about this guy obviously you know I love, I'll say it again, Temple University. He's my dad's favorite player. I just, every time Hassan Reddick does anything, I get a text from my from my dad. Just, there he is, baby. T for Temple U. Hey, um, quick question for you guys. In your yeah. opinion, what's the better free agent pickup, A.J. Brown or Hassan Reddick? Without without diving one, into it too much. One was a trade, um, but <laughs> overall, I guess I still feel A.J. Brown. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Ali, yeah, what about you? AJ. Yeah, I'd go, yeah, I'd go AJ. I mean, Hassan has been uh, unstoppable, but like we've got four other guys on the D line that it, it's impossible to rank it right. You can't. It's like which kid do you love more? Everyone knows it's always the firstborn. But it like, reminds me of uh, yeah, Howie's. <laughs> I love I love chocolate and vanilla. I love both flavors. Cool, Howie. Although, thank you, Howie, because this was all you. 
I thought uh, we so, had uh, on the line there for a second. Yeah. It's the Jew in me. What can it's, I say? It's, We're all the same. <laughs> it's, it, it's, hard, it's hard to rank it, but 69 for 14. What is 69 for 14? That is the amount of points we've put up in the postseason, and we missed a game. It sounded like some underage people having some sexual relations. I'm just looking at a score here. I don't know what you're thinking, Andrew. <laughs> you know, whenever I see Landon Dickerson's number on the field, all right, I can't all help right. but moving laugh. on, moving on. No, oh, man, ups. here we go. <laughs> so those are my two ups. Uh, two up, just like my erection. Just kidding. Alex, let's send it over to you. <laughs> We're going to have to bleep that out. That's fine. 24 minutes in. I got to take note of that. Right. We're going to the Super Bowl. I don't care. We're going to the Super Bowl. All right. So my first up is, since you took my rushing one, we still have three more episodes of Winging It left this season, boys and girls. Yeah. We got another one next week to talk about the Super Bowl. We got the one after the Super Bowl, or hopefully we're talking about a Super Bowl in this episode. So y'all are just the lucky beneficiaries of our team doing absolute work. Uh-huh. Um, this the second thing, man, is just our defense is is so good. It is it is the whole freaking team. Hassan Reddick. If I can find a Hassan Reddick patch Super Bowl jersey, I think that's going to be one of the things that I buy. Um, I'm just absolutely astounded by by how great that these that these guys played. Um, so let's get into the downs. I have two downs here. I don't think you guys are going to like my second one. So I actually did want to bring it to the podcast today to uh, to talk about it. The first down is, I don't know if it was Jalen or the defense. Hertz certainly looked out of character. He did not throw the ball very well. Even on that remarkable catch by Devonta Smith, uh, he didn't have to make it that difficult for, for Devonta to catch. Overthrowing A.J. Brown a few times. Looked a little bit, a little bit off. There was one throw that ended up being incomplete, but it was almost intercepted. It just seemed like Jalen was a little bit caught up in the moment, off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, I don't want to say that there's too much to be concerned about because I think I can twist this into a positive to say that we're going to be facing a worse defense in the Super Bowl, and we didn't show a lot either, right? The only thing we have to show from the playoffs are us us whooping teams. And in this most recent game is just us running the ball. So maybe it is a positive. I think you guys may agree that Jalen, a little bit off, a little bit, you know, timely there. So why don't I actually stop here before I get into my second down on, on the performance of QB1. Andrew, what do you think? He didn't look that that that's probably the worst that we've seen him look this year. Um especially in terms of missing some of those throws that you had mentioned. There was one to AJ Brown in particular where AJ had the, the, the corner beat and it just wasn't uh, he just, he just overthrew him. Um, I thought that when we started the game off and I think that ve- very first play was a little like intermediate throw to AJ Brown. And I was like, we're good. Like yep. this is like no signs of nerves. Not that I expected that, but um yeah, that's that's my biggest concern going into next week is Jalen's shoulder because it two didn't weeks. look like yeah. he uh, two weeks correct. Uh, it didn't look like he was a hundred percent yesterday. Um, I I expected him to look a little sharper, so it's definitely that definitely leaves a, a little bit of uh, room for us to be concerned. But hopefully that extra week um, can prove to just let him rest and, and get that thing better. What about you, Ali? The guy threw sixty percent. For 121 yards, rushed 11 times for 39 yards, three and a half yards a carry, which I think was the second highest out of all the running backs in the team, and he scored a touchdown. I think that's a pretty freaking good game. I got to cut you off, though, because here's the thing. 60% when you're 15 for 25, it's like one thing to to throw 60% when it's, you know, 30 for uh, 50. Quick maths. Well, 30 I mean, for 50 we, doesn't even seem that great. But we quickly realized that that's not what this game needed. We didn't need Jalen to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. We just yep. ran it down their throats and they were letting us. So, I, I mean, mm-hmm. take what the defense gives you and just adjust your game plan to that. I, I think, I think to me, Jalen throwing 60% for 121 yards and us having a monster day on the ground is a, is a credit to our coaching staff recognizing what type of game it was going to be and adjusting to that. 
you know, I will say, and that's a really good point, Ali. I will say one thing too that Jalen made some very sensible slides because he knew the position we were at in the game, right? He probably, and I'm not saying he was bad, right? Carson Wentz is bad. Carson Wentz would have tried to do everything to make himself look better and would have ended up spraining both his ankles and a wrist on one single tackle. Like, at the very least, that. he would have, he would have turned the ball yeah, over. Like, at the very he least, he certainly would have done that, right? Because he he knows that he's better, and and I think Jalen has a really good knack of of self-awareness um so where i was going with that is like yeah he, he made some really sensible uh slides there and like it, it's okay because he he knew that he didn't have to carry the team on his shoulders because he knew he was going to advance to the to the next week all right i'm going to give you my second down i was fully expecting for my first in-person nfc championship game to and if we won to be much more emotional for me than it would be the second brock purdy went out I was like, yes, it's good. Yes, I'm happy. But we didn't get to see it all. We didn't get to see it all. We didn't get the Falcons, Julio Jones in the divisional round, last play of the game, sort of like football game. As a fan of football, I hated it. It I I wish that I was there and it came down to the last play, regardless if that means the Eagles played worse or Purdy was almost there and we almost lost to the third string. And that would have been the narrative today. I agree that the Eagles deserve to be here. I agree that the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. I hate how it happened. I absolutely hate how it happened. It's like a blessing and a curse to to have to watch a game like that because on one hand, it's so nice not needing to like chew off every single one of your fingernails and pace around the house and and do some sort of superstitious, you know, ritual. But then on the other hand, you don't get that drama. You don't get that that type of euphoric feeling when you're just it's more relief than anything, but you're just like, we survived and now we're going to the Super Bowl. When Brock Purdy went out, I think a lot of the drama had kind of been removed from the game. And I think I texted you guys. It's like, I hate saying this, but the second game that was on yesterday was so much more fun to watch. The Eagles yeah. game was not a very fun game to it watch. Wasn't. Only if you're but, an Eagles fan. And even then, the yeah. Eagles podcast guys don't even love it that much. So it was... <laughs> It was tough. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that y'all share that with me. Like everyone's like freaking out on social media. Oh my God. And, and I'm happy. Like I'm, I said, this is bliss. Like this is wonderful, but it just felt a little bit cheap. It just felt a little bit like not undeserving. Cause I do think we need to be here, but Ali finish my sentence for me. Are you, do you feel the same way I do? Kind of, kind of. I I get what you're saying. As a fan of football, you wanted to see something a little bit more exciting happen. But it's not like Brock Purdy tripped on the sideline and injured himself. Like he, they they came into this game plan without a, a frankly a good blocking plan for Hassan Reddick, and they paid for it. And part of this game. <laughs> Part of this game, it's so right? Like part of this game is if you don't have a game plan for blocking your quarterback and keeping him protected, you run the risk of getting your quarterback injured. And in this case, it happened twice. So to me, it's sure. I'm sad that it wasn't a more exciting game as a football fan, but as an Eagles fan, I loved every bit of it. It was a like thank you, yeah. Thanks for for coming into this game with a terrible game plan. And yep. us capitalizing on it. Yep. Yeah. If a down is just not needing to stress about the game at hand, then that's a pretty good. It's another Agreed. pretty good, pretty good week for us. Um, I still have my but, screenshot from the Colts game where my watch was like, "Are you working out right now?" Like that's that's how <laughs> elevated my heart rate was. <laughs> oh, man. That's so funny. Oh man. You know the the one play that sticks in in my mind from yesterday that was just kind of uh, really the only bad play that kind of stuck in my head is was just the three missed tackles on McCaffrey's touchdown. But other than that, it just, Mm -hmm. that was the only thing that, that San Fran really, that was like the only play where I was like disgusted. And at that point it it was seven, seven. So it was, uh, it was, it was was kind of getting a little nerve wracking and we were just kind of, again, it was intermediate throws. After that initial, after that first drive, I think Jalen had like 50 yards passing and then like halfway through the second, he was only at 75. So we were really struggling to get anything going offensively, mm-hmm. even when San Fran turned the ball over and we were getting good field position. We'd get it around the 40, the 50 yard line. We 
weren't getting points out of that, we would end up pinning them back, uh, which will take me to my second down, which is when's Sipas coming back, man? We need, we need, yeah. we need our punter. Not that we punt a ton. Uh, we definitely right. don't kick a whole lot of field goals because uh, <laughs> we love going for it on fourth down, which, hey, I'm, I'm cool with. But, uh, you know, Sipas, I never thought I would be, you know, saying like, oh, man, I miss having our starting punter. But it is noticeable not having uh, not having an NFL talent kicking the ball for you. Actually, Andrew, I think you brought up such a, a solid point. And I, frankly, I think this deserves to be an up as well. But the aggressive play calling continuing in the playoffs. I think where we've seen a lot of these coaches who are kind mm-hmm. of new to the game go to the playoffs and they become something that they're, they weren't in the regular season. They get a little bit more timid to make calls like that. And when we're on our what 34 yard line and Nick Sirianni is like, you know what, F it, let's go for it on fourth down. I'm like, yeah, you know, this is how we, this is how we made our living in the regular season. Why change it now? Why change our identity yeah. now? And he stayed consistent. I think that also shows confidence in our defense. I think that it's a lot easier to, to be, uh, to, to say, you know, at worst case scenario, if we don't convert, even though I like the chances of us converting, I trust our defense to be able to at least hold them to three, you know, damage control. So again, the Eagles being having that much talent on both sides of the ball. Um, I actually want to bring something interesting up. I have a question for both of you. Sure. And, uh, you know, I will name drop. I watched the game with our buddy Jason yesterday, Alex. I it's it's it, it wasn't quite being at the stadium, but being able to watch with a former wide receiver for the Eagles and be able to talk yeah, about yeah. everything that's happening. Because on top of that, everybody else that was there was was Buffalo Bills fan. So he was he and I were the only Eagles fan. So um, nice. he was saying that the reason that he, uh, in case anybody hasn't heard, Nick Sirianni is not a finalist for coach of the year, which when I heard that news, my mind was blown. I find that completely absurd. This team was the number one seed the entire season and to not make the, the top three. So I asked Jason about that. And, and Mr. Avant said, uh, he agrees with it. He doesn't think that Sirianni should have been coach of the year because he thinks that re- it's, it, this is all Howie. He thinks that it, our team has such strong personnel. We have such good players on both sides of the ball that that is the reason for our success over Sirianni I still Mm. have a hard time feeling like Sirianni didn't get robbed but given the acquisitions that we made we were talking about AJ Brown Hassan Reddick Gardner Johnson James Bradbury I mean these are impactful pickups that we've made do you still think that Sirianni is deserving Ali I'll actually start with you Yes. I mean, the guy is 23 and <laughs> 23 and seven since his, his then fertilizer. infamous now famous yeah. fertilizer flower speech, right? Like he, he, I think it was seven and four. We ended the season. You can't tell me that we had the same level of talent as we did last season. And we still made the playoffs, right? Like it was a rebuild year and we still made the playoffs. He's a, he's a, 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 a Players coach, he understands how to motivate his players. Sure, do we have a ton of talent on our team? Without question, which is why we're so dominant each and every game. Andrew, last week you pretty you you said something like, I I believe it in my heart that we're a two-score team above anyone else in the NFL. Completely wholeheartedly agree because of the talent that we have. But this winning mentality, this winning mindset doesn't come with good coaches or with, with bad coaches. Just look at the Dallas Cowboys. Love that. I mean, like that, that, that team is, it's a great point. So I feel like if I say anything different, I'm just like automatically not an Eagles fan and everything I say should be irrelevant. I I would say that Brian Dabble is probably coach of the year. And, And the reason is, is he took the same talent and got him to the playoffs after a four win season. So in, in, Crucify me if you want. I'm just saying, I think he will win the award. Do I think Nick Sirianni should at least be a finalist and have the ability to be able to do that? Sure. But I think I think Dabble did a lot more with a lot less. I couldn't even name you five players on the on the Giants defense. I can name, well, because I'm an Eagles, uh, I can name five players maybe on the San Fran defense. I, I, all I'm saying is he took a bunch of nobodies, got him to win the first playoff game and since the boat picture. So I think he'll win it. So not, not saying th- I agree, but yeah. 
So uh, the the coach of the year candidates are uh, Kyle Shanahan, who you know we just uh, put a put a whooping on yesterday. Yeah, Brian no. Dable of the New York Giants, and then your boy Dougie P, Doug Peterson, who took yeah. the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now refresh my memory: were did they have the first pick in the draft this year? Meaning, were they the, were they the worst team in football last year? Didn't Sauce go first, or is it someone else? Who was the first player to go last this year? I thought it was a D end. Um, oh yeah, it was a- it was Aiden Hutchinson, right? Yeah. So went to so Detroit had the yeah. So maybe okay. Detroit, maybe maybe Detroit had it. Um, but either way, I, Jacksonville was kind of in the gutter last year, and to make the playoffs this year, I guess I, I feel like Brian Dable's main competition for that will be will be Doug Peterson. So it'll be very interesting. Yeah, I think it's certainly see. between those two. I think Dable has the or Dable her, who. Yeah, I'm just great with pronunciation. Uh, <laughs> I I, th- I think he'll have the he'll he'll have the edge there. And then another, you know, some of these other awards where I just feel like the Eagles just didn't get the recognition that they deserved. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like it actually added a lot of fuel and made me feel even more confident entering this week. So we'll start off with Defensive Player of the Year. We've been gushing all over Hassan Reddick. So the the defensive player of the year candidates are Nick Bosa, deserving. Micah Parsons, deserving. Chris Jones on Kansas City, maybe is deserving. Maybe. But I'm having a lot of trouble with Hassan Reddick not making that final group. I do have some stats here that I'll share with you. But just like immediate reaction... Um, I couldn't agree more. What's up with that? I couldn't agree more. Couldn't could not they, could they, not agree with you anymore. They hate guys from Temple. <laughs> they hate there guys from Temple. That's uh, boy, you're gonna get Larry Rubin all 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 excited now, and not in a good way. Um, so just to like run through real quick. So Chris Jones, 17 games played, he had 15 and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. Hassan Reddick had more sacks because he had 16, and Hassan Reddick had five forced fumbles and three fumble recoveries. Let's move on to Micah. Micah Parsons, 13 and a half sacks. Reddick, advantage. Three forced fumbles, Reddick, advantage, and also had three fumble recoveries, which I don't even know if you can use that as like a very reliable statistic. You know, falling on top of the football, sure, maybe that's a skill, but I think the forced fumble is a bigger is a bigger thing. Then Nick Bosa, okay. The guy led the league in sacks this year. He had 18 and a half sacks, so I'll give credit where credit's due. But Hassan Reddick still had more tackles than Chris Jones. He had just slightly less tackles than Micah, had more tackles than Bosa. So when you're second in the league in sacks and you lead the league in forced fumbles, I'm just like, it just makes me love what took place on the field this weekend even more. There's no excuse. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of talking about this with some of the people in the stands too. We we were having the same exact conversation. And at the end of the day, right? This is quite literally, right? This isn't like recognition is great. The Super Bowl is all that matters. I'd rather see a Super Bowl ring this is a losers award. All these guys aren't winning Super Bowls. So if they're not if they're not Eagles players on here or Chiefs players, we're going to we're we are playing for a chance to win a Super Bowl that outweighs any of these loser awards. A million. I, I don't care if Jalen Hurts wins MVP for the next seven years and doesn't have one Super Bowl to show for it. I could care less about that because he's just going to get a big contract. That's all that's going to happen. It's not going to be proven that he's winning championships. Use it to f- fuel these guys. I don't care about these loser awards at all. Ali, any objections to Defensive Player of the Year finalists? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hassan Reddick absolutely <laughs> deserves it. Like, I, I just... Sure, I hear, the, I, hear, I hear the comment about Super Bowl is more important, and it is, but why can't we have our cake and eat it too? Why can't we you. recognize the the amazing work that Hassan Reddick has done this year and still give him a Super Bowl ring? I, I, is, I don't disagree yeah. with that. All I know is we're heading into a Super Bowl week in the next two weeks. I'm going to be more focused on what that game looks like than looking at my phone to say, oh, who won Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah, it's one of our guys. Like, whatever dude like we got a big it's, we got bigger it's like this run. lack of love this lack of recognition this lack of just uh it, it, you know disrespect you know, we, we, disrespect we saw Joel Embiid last year it just feels like as as much as it 
it, it hurts to not get this recognition, but like you said, Alex, it doesn't matter because I don't think the players really give two craps about it as long as we make it to the big game. I actually think that the fact that we will be facing the league MVP and we have an opportunity for Jalen Hurts to prove why he's deserving loves sets it. up perfectly. He loves it. He loves that. It's great. It's yeah. great. I mean, and, and just add that to to the list of storylines. We got Kelsey versus Kelsey. We got Andy Reid, you know, going against the team that he led to NFC Championship after NFC Championship after NFC Championship. Then eventually got us to a Super Bowl. Didn't win it. But the most successful coach that we've had other than Sirianni. Um, the one other thing that I'm hung up on, though, and I just just the last award that we'll mention, uh, comeback player of the year. I think Brandon Graham. He had a career high this year after yeah. coming back from an Achilles injury. He's 34. He's, he's, he's reaching the end of his, you know, towards the end of his career. He worked his way back, got into shape. Like I said, 11 sacks this year, a career high. Meanwhile, who is nominated? Let's start with Saquon Barkley. I am so pissed off that Saquon Barkley got nominated for this. He played 14 games last season. Guess what? If you're going to nominate Saquon, how do you not nominate Miles Sanders. Real quick, guys. Miles Sanders last year rushed for like 750 yards. This year, he almost doubled that. He rushed for 1,300. He had zero touchdowns last year. He had 11 this year. So if you're going to give Saquon Barkley props for playing 14 games a season before and sucking ass, well, guess what? You should be giving Miles Sanders those same props for crushing it this year. So anyway, just more garbage disrespect. Christian McCaffrey, cool, whatever, also nominated. He's going home. Geno Smith, I can respect. He had his best season since being a rookie 10 years ago. His rookie season, he had 11 touchdowns to 21 interceptions. This year, he had 30 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Threw for almost 4,300 yards. Very deserving. Give it to Geno. But anyway, now that I'm sweating because of the lack of respect, it's not right. Yeah, I think it's an offensive league. People look at that. Right. I think Geno Smith, I think it's a lock by like a mile. I agree with your Saquon Barkley comment. I I yeah, the Christian McCaffrey story is cool, right? Almost does it with the with the Panthers, doesn't, goes to a team, has a chance, then we whoop that butt. Um, so yeah, I think Geno will win it. It's 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 crazy how Seattle got better after losing their star quarterback uh with Geno Smith. So I think he'll get it. It is crazy. Broncos country it's crazy. Let's ride. Let's ride. <laughs> Have fun with that, Denver. So, yeah, guys, we have a football game to get ourselves mentally prepared for in two weeks without diving too much into the matchups because I'm still processing yesterday, even though it was a bloodbath. Um, I'm excited. I wanted to see us go against Kansas City. I think we match up better against the Bengals because of their offensive line being a little bit banged <laughs> up and our defensive front being dominant. But... I love that we're going against the Chiefs. I think this is like, I think this is the matchup that everybody wants to see. And I just want to know you guys' first impressions. Alex, we'll start with you. Yeah. So, pretty excited to talk about the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl. I was walking down the stairs of the link, and Ali texts my phone and basically says, "If you can go, I'm gonna go with you. Like, if we can do this, like, I'll go if you go." Sort of like thing. Talking to my wife, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, Super Bowl, you guys can go. It's late. I've had several alcoholic beverages. I'm like, <laughs> it's like one of those things, like no good conversation happens after 2 a.m. Wake up this morning feeling great. Ali's like, so we doing this? And after some talking with my wife and looking at the uh, the budget, winging it is going to the Super Bowl. Ali and I are going to go to Phoenix to watch – the Eagles take on the Chiefs. Uh, we will be flying out. Well, Ali's in, in Minnesota, so we'll be flying out and arriving in Phoenix on Friday afternoon. And then because flights were way cheaper on Tuesday, we're going to be flying out on Tuesday and have a day, hopefully a day of rejoice on Monday and do some cool stuff in Phoenix. But we are we are going to the Super Bowl. Oh, man, that's what a great location. What a great destination. I think the last time the Eagles were in the Super Bowl was in Minnesota. So it would have been an easy commute for you, Ali. But now you can pack a lot less layers and go enjoy some nice weather. Uh, dude, 
That's cr- so. What are you guys doing? You guys like uh, Airbnb, hotel? What's the deal? Yeah, Ali, why don't you? Why don't you? Um, do you have the screenshot up of like the experience that you get and like how we kind of like win it? The versus, Super Bowl experience versus like the resale market. If, in case anyone wants to get in on the action, yeah, here I can. Point, I, yeah. I can. I, I have it up here. So, so the way that you can buy the tickets is you can go to the resale market and go to StubHub. They're really expensive. But I got an email from the Eagles this morning and like they gave us a link to say, hey, check this out. And it's a website called like On Location Experience. And what you do is you can buy these packages. They have like hotel packages, airfare packages, and then just like the actual game. So the package that we bought is called the Eagles Fan Hospitality Package. Hospitality Package. It includes a ticket to the game, an open air pregame, open bar and elevated tailgate fair, live entertainment and interactive games. When I tell you that we are sitting up high, we are basically in the rafters. Like we are as barely, <laughs> as barely as you can be in the stadium. I wouldn't be surprised if these were like, like folding lawn chairs and said, here's your Super Bowl seat. But we got in there, but it's pretty cool. Cause it looks like we'll actually have some stuff to do. And it was a thousand dollars less than like the most inexpensive ticket on StubHub. So it seems like we got a really good deal. That sounds awesome. Yeah, dude, I, uh, I, I'm not going to lie. It, it was probably one of my bigger regrets in life when uh, the Eagles won the Super Bowl and it was here in Minneapolis and I didn't get to go. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what came over me. I just looked at my wife yesterday right after the game and I was like, should I go to this game? And she was like, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. You should go. And she was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of worried. Like, you'd be going by yourself. Like, why don't you see if Alex wants to go? And that's when I was like, hey, Alex. <laughs> you need a babysitter. I needed a yeah. babysitter. Thank you for being what's my babysitter. So, what's so interesting, though, is we are all – I mean, I'll speak for myself. But I, I feel like usually when you, when you make it to a Super Bowl, it does have this feeling of being a once-in-a-lifetime and not knowing when the next one's going to be. But – now, it, like, it almost feels like we're going to be recurring. We're going to be back. I don't ever want to feel that confident because things happen. But it is just kind of weird to even think that, like, wow, this actually feels like it might not actually be once in a lifetime. This this might actually be something we can try to get used to for a little bit. Yeah, I, I think, well, actually, my wife is the one that sold it to me. It's it, I, I just think... Gents, you gotta you got, you gotta pick the right wife. You gotta pick the right <laughs> wife in situations like this. What is she going to do? Um, but she but she said the same thing, Andrew. She's like, yeah, like the Eagles are really good right now. But and she said this like players are leaving next year. Coaches are going to be going yep. elsewhere. Like our son is in daycare. We want to have more children. They're going to be in daycare. We're all in good health. We don't have anything that's huge. We both work really hard and we haven't traveled in a few years. So we have all these miles and stuff accrued. Like do it, do it. Actually, you need to go do it. Call Ali right now and go tell him to do it. I'm like, all right, here we go. Well, Alex, (laughs) take that, take that thousand dollars that you saved on flight tickets and put that into a real nice Valentine's day gift for for your wife because she, She's thinking yeah. deserves it. No, that's I'm thinking, I'm for thinking the team. replica Super Bowl ring. Yeah, I think Ooh. I think that's what she'll yep, want. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I can read her mind. I'm sure she's she's loving this comment right now. <laughs> uh, but as far as accommodations, we found uh, you know cool Airbnb about 30 minutes outside of the uh, of the um, of the stadium. It's it's all a bunch of people that are just listing their house. They're taking full advantage of it all. It's 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 so funny. And then all the hotels are like best westerns and there's one behind a loves truck stop and i'm like yeah this is where murders happen so we're we're not staying in we're not staying in there anything that's economically friendly what were you about to say ali yeah i mean to drew's point about feeling like this could be happening every year to be honest i think that that was the reason why i felt like i needed to go this year is because i don't think this is going to happen every year if you look at some of the free agents coming up this year you've got Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave, Jason Kelsey. Some of these guys are about to retire. It's the whole team. (laughs) Right. James Bradbury, Isaac Samalu, Andre Dillard. Like these players are the players that we're talking about. You know, Howie Roseman being a genius and bringing these players in and restructuring this, you know, their contracts to make it work with the salary cap. I don't know if all these players are going to stay next year, especially when, not if, but when Jalen Hurts gets paid. Well, 
once the NFC gets any other quarterback that's capable of playing, you let me know. Until that day comes, I'm just going to be riding this high, just being like, come see us. Come see Fair. You can't touch us? Who's your quarterback? Exactly. There isn't another good one other than Jalen in the NFC. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... It's going to anyway. be a good one, though. I'm I'm super excited. I literally can't wait. Um, I'm excited just, for, for you guys. That's incredible. See my girl Rihanna at halftime. Wonder, like, we're going to see some Another like, cameos. Perk. What about, like, Eminem comes out. They do, like, uh, what's that song? Love. Love. Oh. Dude, I love oh, yeah. the like, love, love the way you lie. Yeah, love the way love you lie. The way you or yeah. Umbrella, because I know Jay Z and Rock Entertainment's hosting it, so maybe like Jay Z will come out. It'll be kind of cool to see some of the celebrities there. Dude, well. I'm excited. I'm excited for a killer, killer football game. The number one offense in the Kansas City Chiefs, the number one pass offense, excuse me, against our number one pass defense, and our but, boy Hassan, and- he's hungry. He's going to be taking that disrespect as as pure fuel, showing it on a national level why he deserved to be the defensive player of the year. That's so, right. Did you guys hear about the lines and how quickly they they shifted? So so last night the Philadelphia Eagles, I think, and Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong, were two and a half point underdogs, right? So, I think it opened it opened at minus uh, Kansas City minus one and a half. Okay, minus so Kansas one City and was favored. And is it true? Like within the course of like one hour. So much money got hammered on the Eagles that the books adjusted it, and now we are two point favorites. Yeah, this morning when I checked, it was minus two, which is honestly what I was expecting. I was I was pretty surprised to see Kansas City open as the favorite, especially after the Eagles win back to back weeks without really breaking a sweat, and Kansas City barely surviving, and they have injuries, they have. You know, they're down to bare bones. Kelsey's injured. Mahomes is injured. I just, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, I just don't see it. I just yeah. don't see it. Yeah. Right now it's at one and a half. I, I think, and and we, we'll get into, we'll, we're going to spend the whole, the whole next episode talking about it. I think it's just going to boil down to experience, right? Like Andy Reid is experienced. Patrick Mahomes lives in the postseason. You know, Nick is a young, cool guy, but, but Andy Reid eats Nick Sirianni's for breakfast, right? So well, like. In, in my opinion, it's just we're going to see what happens. Uh, I mean, Doug Peterson did outduel Bill Belichick, right? So it's not always a story. But I think if it comes down to like last-minute call, push out of bounds on a late hit or, or something, like that could be the edge. I'm banking, though, that the Eagles will win this game on a big defensive stop recovery very similar to what we saw Brandon Graham do. And like you said, shut up all those haters. So. Yeah, and Ali, those players that you mentioned about being afraid of who won't be here next year, on the other hand, all of those players are players that have Super Bowl experience. Those are players that have been here before. They're they're they know what this game is all about. You know, so Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, all these guys, they have the experience. So I really feel like we mm. are we are well prepared for this ball game. That's a good point, Andrew. Thank you. Very good point. I try. I try. What do you think, Ali? Yeah, I, uh, I I don't want to jinx us. And obviously, we're going to be talking about this game next week. And we're going to talk about score predictions. And I think that I'm going to go three for three with these score predictions because it's been working out thus far. Into, oh, you're already into, you're already going for score predictions. Look at I, you. I mean, I, I already know what I'm going to say just because it's resulted <laughs> in, in, in some blowout wins. I honestly, I don't see the Kansas city chiefs scoring that many points on us to be honest, really? right? Like wow. if we can find a way to neutralize Travis Kelsey, they don't, that they're not going to run the ball on us that I don't respect their run game and neither should our defense and, and neither our should offense. You. Yeah. And neither should you. And our offense is too high powered for that defense to be able to manage it. Right? Like yesterday, it was a it was a a match of you know what Jalen Hurts we're gonna take away your pass targets great we're just gonna adjust and and run the ball to the weak side and you're not gonna be able to stop it the week against the Packers where they switched over to a cover one basically daring Jalen Hurts to throw the ball he aired it out and you know I think it was over 300 yards that game I don't think they're gonna be able to stop our offense and I think our defense is easily easily 
I, I mean, hands down, the best Eagles defense I've ever seen in my lifetime. Dude, save some content for next week, Ali. You got me already ready to run through a brick wall. Right, right. And I will say, <laughs> I agree. Blurb. Yeah, I agree with everything. However, my only, my only room for you know my my only caution is that we is Hurts shoulder okay? Because in normal, yes, in a normal week, our our offense is high powered. But if there is anything limiting Jalen Hurts' ability to throw accurately, then that's that's the one thing that we're going to just have to kind of keep tabs on this week. And um, therefore I'm not giving a prediction because I don't even know what I'm thinking yet. Yeah. I want to dissect this. I want to hear some, you know, what other people are saying and kind of learn a little bit more about the strengths. I know that the, um, the, the, the chiefs run a lot in motion, very strategically, a lot of misdirection, a lot of getting you to kind of give away your, your defensive scheme. And then based off what, the the um, defense is reacting to your motion. Patrick knows exactly where he's going to go, and it's just, so there, there's there's a lot there than just they have a really good offense. Where our pass defense is better. Like a lot of it's going to come down to scheme, but just like you said, Andrew, it's going to come down to veterans. It's going to come down to that. I think um, we'll just have to see. Um, we are well there over is... on time on this episode, so I am there... going to stop. But Ali and then Andrew, you said yeah. so. There is one thing that I'm I'm kind of proud of in this moment. Um, this is the first Super Bowl where both quarterbacks are African American. I mean, it, it's a cool. it's such a historic Super That's Bowl just cool. on that factor alone. Uh, it's kind of sad that it's taken this long to get here, but I'm I'm pretty proud of it. That's cool. That's good to know. That is a great final little tidbit to to end this episode on. As always, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for winging it with us on behalf of Ali and Alex. I'm Andrew. I could not be more excited about the state of this Eagles team. I am so proud to be a fan, and I'm so proud to do the show every week with you guys. I'm excited to talk more about it next week. And guys, we're going to the freaking Super Bowl. Let's freaking do this. Go Birds! Go Birds!